welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Nathan, and we're both licensed professional counselors in Oregon, here to open up our lives and minds with you. We are your companion on the journey to grow your healthcare practice, yourself, and your relationships. To get you started, we've got a free email course on our website, shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course, with practical steps on overcoming your fear and anxiety. Thank you for joining us on the Shrink Think Podcast. Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Shrink Think Podcast. We have been doing a lot of talking lately. Well, we do always do a lot of talking. We're therapists. That's what we do all day long. <laughs> welcome to our show. <laughs> in fact, we didn't get we didn't have enough talking in the office. We had to like record on this podcast also. <laughs> Um, we might also start a shower show where we sing in the shower talking about things. No, just no that's not happening. <laughs> no video, no live feeds. Um, no, we have been talking about mental health, all the different types of therapy that are out there. Um, just kind of some of the most popular ones. We didn't cover all of the range of them, but we want to continue the conversation about mental health. And today we're going to be talking about the stigmatization about mental health and how we can work together to destigmatize mental health because let's be real everybody is a human being and everybody has mental health problems according to the DSM you can look up any diagnosis and probably <laughs> like a hypochondriac oh no i have this <laughs> i have a tick or i've got um trichotillomania that's the one i always like to talk about you can look that one up but we want to talk about like what what how did we even get here in terms of mental health being stigmatized, and then what can we do about it? So, Nathan, get us started. How the heck do we get to this place where, like, in my opinion, normal, everyday human kinds of things are stigmatized? And, of course, there's some, you know, wild, disordered kinds of things that that are out there as well and that we deal with. But how did that stuff get stigmatized in the first place? Picture it back in history. 19... 19- Something or other. Um, I talked to you before about, uh, we talked a little bit about psychoanalysis with Freud a long time ago. Well, back in the day, and this has been true, by the way, all throughout history. This is not like, um, oh, wow, I guess now we have mental health before everybody was fine. (laughs) We discovered mental health that now exists. Right. Before it was, it was, we didn't know what stuff was. Um, and they would take people and just put them outside the village or outside whatever the city, like, okay, see ya. And these people would be kind of your homeless folks that were just vagabonds, Get walked around. Transients or whatever. Yeah, like back in the way old days. And so it got to the place where, of course, societies come together. People are living closer together. Where are they going to go? Like family members are like trying. I mean, everybody, you know, they, there's these loved people that are having significant problems. And you take them to the doctor. Well, the doctor was like, uh, yeah, I don't know what to do about that. We're going to put them in an institution and we will figure it out. So back in the day, there's a lot of experimenting. And that's where the, all of our, the older words, like you're insane, because it was an insane asylum. That's what they were called. Um, and crazy and that kind of those different words. That word crazy actually doesn't do anything for me, to be honest. That's kind of another, another thing. But I get my point is, is that it, it's not really a very good descriptor of any of the diagnoses that are out there. Um, but at any rate, so a lot of what they were dealing with, if people, if imagine like somebody just 
has a, um, a disease where they, their mind is kind of, it's not all the way there. And so they're running down the street naked, yelling about being like, like aliens or something that are coming and landing, or they have superpowers or whatever. And I'm not, some of you out there may, may have some of that going on. And I'm not, um, I'm not saying that that's, I mean, it is, it is an actual disease is my point. What are you going to do with that? I mean, if you have no idea what that is, that sometimes is called schizophrenia. I mean, there's other um, ways that you can get to that. If you have a drug overdoses and there's other pieces to the pie that you have to figure out what exactly is going on. But we're just going to move all the way to an actual mental health disease of like, for example, schizophrenia. They didn't know what that was. And the person won't stop. They don't go to bed and then wake up and are fine. Um, so... And it's, and it's like an all of a sudden thing as well. It's like this person, if it was somebody who had like a psychotic break, for example, like uh, sometimes it's like this person was fine for a while and then boom, something happened. And then now you're really different. Like what? Can't you just go back to how you were? Like there are just all kinds of unknown, unexplainable kinds of things that were happening. Right. People are trying to figure out how to help somebody get back to quote unquote normal. And then there's folks who are abnormal for like having a psychotic break that seems consistent and will not stop for like months. That's very much on the extreme, but they didn't have a clue what to do. Right. So these people are having these weird behaviors from a society standpoint and also to the people I've talked with. Uh, I work with schizophrenia. Like the, the, those folks don't like it either. Like, why would you like it? I don't like being schizophrenic. Wow, what a shocker. <laughs> right. I also don't like only having one arm. Right. <laughs> yeah. Horrible. Um, so they basically um, didn't know what to do because they didn't know what that was back then. They put them in this place. And, um, and then that was it. But if you, if you were a person who watched that go down and watched that happen, the only people that go work on their mental health at that point back in the 50s were people that were extreme. Like, they didn't even, because you were fine, like, deal with your stuff, bro. You know, like, this whole thing about anxiety wasn't a thing back then. Everything only got dealt with in the extremes. As things move forward, we have diagnoses like anxiety and these different things that people are, you know, depression. And so now people come in more often. So a large part of the stigma is age-related. If you if you know folks that are older, like, you know, grandma and grandpa, for example, they were around during the time when the only people that went to get mental health were in the extreme. Um, so they did not want to be associated whatsoever with that because they don't want to be like, oh my gosh, I don't want to go to that person. I am not like that other person that just ran down the street naked. I am not that guy, <laughs> you know? So I am not going to say I'm getting mental health help because people be like, so Are I didn't know. Too? I didn't know that you ran down the street naked. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> like, oh, so you and Jimmy later, late at night, this is what you guys do. Your crazy town USA kinds of activities. Okay. <laughs> right. But if you're a millennial listening to this or younger or even a little bit older, you can understand what I'm saying. But, and you're also probably saying like, this is not the way it is. Like, I'm fine with this. I mean, they're literally listening to this podcast. So you're like, I'm okay. Like I'm your audience. You just, just don't even talk about st stigmatization because there is no stigma, you know, like, Oh yes, there is. It's still there. And actually that's the other side of the coin, right? So the other side of the coin is now people go to therapy quite a bit. Like you go to your dentist and they, they kind of brag about like 
going to therapy and that kind of thing. So at any rate, um, we've got, we've got, there's just another side of that coin. Let me add, um, as I was thinking about stigmatization, I think that's kind of some of your everyday, like this is just happening out in public. There's another element to this that is really massive now and that was massive at the time. And I don't, I don't know if people realize the impact that it would have, but with the invention of the media, you know, you have like TV, movies, that kind of stuff, those kinds of things uh, coming out where now we can be in each other's homes, essentially. I mean, you might have somebody in your community with some mental health problem and they um, maybe they're living at home, they've got a doctor visiting or they're in the hospital, but it's pretty much sectioned off to that community. If you're not privy to that or if you're not connected to that community, then you might not really know about this stuff. And so everyone is more disconnected from those kinds of things in general as a whole, right? You just, everyone lives in their own little community and that's what it is. But with the prevalence of the media, people could then watch movies and TV shows. And, you know, they were trying to come up with entertaining and maybe even some everyday kinds of things for people to watch. And so you got things, uh, people making movies and TV shows about mental health issues some of it was like crazy, like before they really understood things, it would be like wild and wacky things, people doing wild and wacky things. I think probably that contributed to a lot of the stigma as well. Some of it, I, I mean, I don't know, I haven't studied it, but I don't think a lot of it was intentional. I think a lot of it was just, it's funny, it's entertaining, it's wacky, or it's this is the kind of thing that happens and we don't really understand it, so we're going to just portray it. But in doing so, I think it really was not very sensitive or mindful to, hey, this is an actual issue that somebody has that might need some help and some treatment, because that's not really the way people thought about it back then. Well, and that a large part of what I was trying to get at is that we just didn't understand it. We just exactly. didn't know. We didn't know anything. And so what a lot of even the words that we have these days are built from, like the negative words is what I'm saying, stuff that's like used like as a mean thing to say, like, for example, moron, idiot, stupid, those words literally were categories on the first Stanford Binet intelligent quotient test, like IQ test. And you know how people are, how kids are, they'll look at those, those words and then they use them to like make fun of their friend. When their friend says something that's like, doesn't sound smart or doesn't sound whatever, they'll be like, Oh, you're just stupid or whatever. And so now we get older and this is a little bit of a bug for me and I'm not going to go on long about this whatsoever, but what we do as a community is we just essentially change our language and then therefore it's fine. So people get offended by this language and like, oh, we got to change it. Well, it just keeps changing. All that will happen is whatever you change it to will become the stigmatized object again. And then we'll have to change it again. It's just it's it's kind of this rotating door. But that's what we do, I think, as humans is we we kind of make fun of what we don't we don't completely understand. And one of the things as, as therapists is these folks come in the room and now you need to help them, right? So back in the day, these folks were studied. Now, because long-term stuff still happens, like treatments, that still goes on in state hospitals. But the difference now is that the majority of the time we can understand, we actually already know what they're struggling with and, and that we work from a perspective to treat them. But before it was, uh, we don't know what's going on here. And there's so many different ways that, that, for example, we've talked about schizophrenia. There's so many different ways for that to present itself that you start looking at different symptoms and trying to check boxes. 
And then another person comes in who is acting kind of the same way, but does things different. So is that the exact same thing or is it different? And you can imagine that they're just trying, they're just trying stuff. And then of course, movies, like you were saying, Aaron, pick up on this and are like making insane asylums creepy and turning those into like Halloween movies of some sort. And now people are like, whoa, you know, and they're, they're looking at that hardcore. And still, it's even been more recent that things have been more like a normal, kind of what I was getting at the other side of the coin. Because the other side of the coin is if you go to therapy a lot, it's popular, it's stigmatized in that way. But you might be of the friend group that looks at the person and goes, yeah, you've been going to therapy for three years. I don't really know any difference in you whatsoever. You always say something like, I guess I'm going to have to talk to my therapist about that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to therapy because it's not doing you any good. And I think all of those things, when you put those together, you have like this kind of rolling evolutionary. We don't really know what it is, but but it is what it is. And we're just kind of going with it. And then people pick that up. And I I mean, it's the kind of cultural thing that. Um, if you're not really paying attention, which most of us aren't, um, I think nowadays maybe people are, we've got our finger on the pulse of um, society and culture, maybe even a little too much. Um, but back then it was just like, I mean, there was no, you're just an American, right? You, you live in this country and you're American, you're self-sufficient, you're trying to work the American dream. And, and anything that's kind of out of that ordinary is just weird, is strange. We don't know what it is. So we want to understand it. Um, we want to like observe it, research it, poke the bear, and then jot down some notes and research about it. And nowadays, I think it's a whole lot more um, humane. Um, but the point we're getting at is like that's where we came from. It's kind of like you know before technology, before brain scans, and um, all this stuff that we could we could do to test the body and the brain and scan everything to understand what's going on. I mean, you just had your your two eyes and your ears, and you can be like, wow, that's that's abnormal. Let's call it this or that. Let me just say one thing. I want you to think of what your thought is when I say put electrodes to your brain and then we're going to turn on electricity. We're going to call that electroconvulsive therapy. Just notice what you think about that. Would you ever do that? Would that be something that you would think was a good idea? Or what would you think of somebody that had that done? Yeah, so back in the day they did that. They did get some results, actually. Now, to be honest, if there, if that was not so stigmatized, it would be more of a main treatment because what they have been able to do, they now know in a lot of dis- different circumstances where to put those electrodes on your brain, how many millivolts to use, and for how long in order to stimulate different parts of your brain. So it is actually still used to this day, Shocker, but it is. Um, Unintended shocker. (laughs) Yes, that is way more awesome than I wanted it to be. (laughs) And and they, but that's still because it's so stigmatized, it's really only allowed to be used in extreme cases when nothing else works. But it has effects on depression where it will it will people will get this treatment and then they will not be depressed. Literally, it's over. Um, They're not depressed for like six months at a time. And then they have to go baby back and get another one or that kind of thing. But my point is, is we've gotten very good at these things, but stigma literally is holding this back. Yeah, there's another one I think of that we hear all the time. Nathan, as soon as I say this, I know you're going to be kind of rolling your eyes at it. But 
um, you know, you have a like your typical relationship scenario and, um, you know, maybe it's a married couple and they're talking about their relationship. They're talking about really kind of each other. They're arguing, blaming one another. And inevitably, you know, he says, yeah, she just, you know, is doing this and there's one is one way this this day and then the next day she's all over the place and then the next day she's fine I'm like i think she's bipolar <laughs> right like bipolar is this wacky like insane you did like i you're completely unstable erratic sort of a thing and then she'll say something like oh yeah well like everything that he does is all about him and he can only think about himself i think he's a narcissist like those are a couple of the <laughs> of the common things that we hear and um, I mean, statistically, I can't recall about bipolar disorder, but something like narcissism is like a very small percentage of the population, like one to three percent or something. It's very, very small. So like if you happen to be with somebody who is an actual narcissist, then congratulations, you've hit the lottery <laughs> in, in terms of the, the percentage of the population. But that's a great example of how we describe things that might be very normal but we put these stigmas on them because they just seem abnormal to us and we don't know how to understand them except with a label. So with bipolar disorder, it's, you know, the situation where somebody is having emotions, they're upset, they're responding to something, they might be having normal human emotions, but because we don't understand them, we call that crazy and bipolar, like up and down, erratic, or somebody who is trying to defend his own perspective or or maybe he is more self-centered than um, than you are, um, because that's not understood, or because you don't value it. We slap the label of that's a narcissist, it, rather than like somebody might have like selfish tendencies or be self-absorbed or self-focused. Um, those kinds of things, like we all have those to some degree, and so we want to destigmatize those and call like accurately uh, call people who actually have bipolar disorder or um, schizophrenia or narcissism, call those people in those situations what those are, and then call the, your every average, everyday, you know, folks' experiences what they actually are as normal and average and typical. And I think that will help take the stigma out of it. So let's transition from how things got stigmatized to how can we actually destigmatize uh, the whole idea of mental health? First thing that people should do. Well, I mean, it's obvious, I think. You just listen to this podcast, uh, the Shrink Thing podcast, indefinitely. <laughs> you know, start at the beginning. <laughs> right. And where can people find out about this said Shrink Think podcast, Nathan? Um, I think it's shrinkthinkpodcast.com, Aaron. <laughs> and is it available on all the current smartphone devices? <laughs> yes, all of the different smartphones Anywhere where media can be listened to, you can listen to my sweet voice. <laughs> and that will help destigmatize <laughs> mental health. Yeah. I mean, the biggest, the biggest thing with destigmatizing, I think, is a largely education, you know, like, but that doesn't mean you need to go to some class on it. I think because that, that's really weird. Like everybody the, should get a master's degree in mental health. I think one thing you need to do is check yourself a bit. One of the things that's true is that we have developed accurate details for diagnoses and symptomology. So, like, as mental health, the mental health world out there has got, like, actual criteria, okay? So, just because a diagnosis is popular and you kind of think you've heard it before, 
and you've kind of like thought like, oh, that makes sense. Like bipolar is a great one. You know, it seems like, oh, that person changes emotions. They're probably bipolar, you know, but you're smarter than that. You're like, no, that's not totally what it is. But if I notice they do that a lot, then I'm going to call it bipolar. <laughs> right. Right. Like, <laughs> Or if I don't understand why, that must be bipolar. <laughs> right. So I would just challenge you to say, uh, no, it's not. You're not a clinician. You don't know. Um, and that's fine. Now, you, oh, I know. WebMD. That's it. I'm going to WebMD. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure this out. I knew. I freaking knew they had bipolar. They, they've had this for six months. Yes, check the box. They've had it for six months. And they have hyperthyroidism now, too, <laughs> as well. <laughs> right. There's like, the thing of it is, is that, just think of it this way. We explained how this stuff happened, right? The, this, the stigmatization. Well, as we started figuring stuff out, we were we've looked at all this crap, quite frankly, and had to figure out criteria in order to call it whatever it is. It's spent like at this point, the mental health field, it's been decades. Um, actually, you could argue over a century of trying to figure this stuff out. When you casually have a relationship with your friend and then look at a name or whatever, what it is like a bipolar or whatever it is, and then you're like, oh, freaking A, I know five people with that. Like, no, you don't. <laughs> and and if you do, like, your friend group is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> or, or you're a therapist like we are. <laughs> yeah. <but there laughs> you, you actually do know five people, <laughs> right. five of your clients. Yeah, which could be a thing. So some of it is just check yourself. Just be realistic. Like, you know, I you don't know any more about that than I, knew, than I do about engineering. You know, like, I can build stuff in the back of my house, but I'm not going to sit there and go, like, do the calculations for a weight limit type of a thing. I just got to be honest with it. So a lot of this is accurately depicting like what you have to deal with or not what you have to do, but what you see like in media and like, and they're actually doing a pretty good job in media like at the, these days. Yeah. I, there, there are a lot of, as I was um, preparing for this, I was looking up um, some different movies that have come out recently on the subject. Cause I think people are really trying to uh, destigmatize mental health and portray it maybe in a, a more accurate sense or in a sense that can give you more compassion. I, there are a lot of them out there. I wanted to stick with more recent ones uh, that I have seen and that I know about. For example, Silver Linings Playbook was one of those. A Beautiful Mind was a great one with Russell Crowe. Um, that one was Schizophrenia, if I remember right. Um, Lars and the Real Girl, uh, great movie. Um, the guy from The Notebook is in it, um, all of you. <laughs> I can't remember his name. Um, in fact, I don't want to remember his name because, frankly, I'm a little jealous. He's got a beautiful head of hair. Um, but And then As Good As It Gets is another one. It's a little bit older movie, but that's the one with Jack Nicholson and OCD. Those kinds of movies do a great job of depicting what, like, kind of the human side of these disorders. And really, oh, there was another one, too, uh, The King's Speech that I was thinking of. Um, that's where this guy had, like, a stutter and they show how he like goes to therapy. I think he like privately goes somewhere to get some therapy around his like speech therapy. Um, but the idea is great because he's got some sort of issue, some hang up that is keeping him from being able to talk smoothly that he works through. And I, I love that kind of stuff because that's ultimately the real human experience with these disorders. Some of them like a bipolar disorder or a schizophrenia are actual chemical issues in your brain, in your body, where it's like 
there's nothing you can do about it. You can't just act normal. You can't just or like the the uh, the Tourette syndrome. It's a literally a neurological disorder, meaning uh, there are messages that are firing inside your body that you cannot control. You cannot stop that are sending you messages to twitch your body or to um, say things out loud, you know, make sounds or whatever, like these kinds of things. Like we just need to have some compassion that uh, on people with these issues that it's not something that they can control. They want to control it. They wish they don't, they didn't have those things as well. And so if we can have some compassion for them, part of that will destigmatize mental health. But then also um, some of these movies that depict people uh, with normal kind of human emotional experiences like grief. I think that was the thing with Lars and the real girl. This guy uh, had dated a woman and she broke up with him and he was grieving basically. And he was grieving through some (laughs) like blow up doll person that he was attached to. Um, like that kind of stuff is like, okay, it might seem a little bit weird, but when you actually watch the movie, you can understand how somebody can go to that length or do that kind of a thing in order to cope with some real normal human experience of things that we all go through. The one thing that will destigmatize you is having a family member go through something that's actually real, meaning like they do have a diagnosable disorder. Um, it becomes, it becomes this kind of, uh, deal where you're like, but they're normal. I mean, they do have this thing, but they're, and, and that's kind of what destigmatization is, is realizing like, you know, we all have something. With that, I would encourage you, some of the stuff that's out there, um, you might have a friend or whatever that their child has autism, or you have um, a friend that has something else going on, and then you start listening and you're like, okay, I actually have similar stuff with that. Um why are you getting treatment and I'm not meaning like, why do you need it? I think I do fine or whatever. I, I would say what you need to do is be curious. You, a lot of this is realize that you probably made quite a bit of assumption um, because we do that as humans, by the way. And I'm not coming at you for that because everybody, everybody does that has some assumptions. And all I'm saying is check it out um, and be curious and compassionate for what the other person is going through. Because if you just start, if you actually come to them from the place that you don't know, you are not pretending to know, and you're just asking a question. A lot of times these folks going through this are alone. They don't want to talk about it because they know you're going to have a list of assumptions as soon as they start talking, and you're going to probably be wrong because these disorders are experienced differently by different people, even though the symptoms are similar. And one of the reasons, actually the reason Aaron and I are even talking about this in the first place, I mean, at this point, is we were um, kind of trying to, we were, we were at a restaurant talking about podcasts and the server came up and asked us, or we were, you know, servers do their job. And um, Aaron brought it up and said, hey, what would you ever want to know about like the podcast mental health type of stuff in, the, in relationship to that? She said, well, she told, she said, I actually suffer from this disease. Um, and, you know, to be honest with you, I feel like the whole thing still needs to get destigmatized. And she was a young woman, probably. I don't, I don't, I think she was in her twenties, I yeah. imagine. So, um, and, and for, and what sticks out about that is for, for a younger person that's, that would qualify as a, as a millennial still can sit, still trying to work through destigmatizing something is, is kind of a wake up call. It's like, well, man, I mean, don't we already kind of like, and I'm like, well, I guess I've been a therapist a long time. All this is destigmatized to me. <laughs> right. In my office, this is perfectly normal. 
<laughs> so it's like, man, I started thinking, wow. So which is, and Aaron's like, we need to do this, baby. And so now here we are. Yeah. And really, I think you talked about being people feeling alone. I, I would say, um, yeah, if you need help, seek help. That's one thing. If you're struggling with something, if you are not sure about something, if you love to just talk things out, if if you want to get somebody else's perspective or get some feedback on yourself, if you've ever thought about any of those things, uh, consider talking to a therapist. And that's not just a push for, you know, like a sales pitch, but it really is. We're trying to destigmatize mental health. So if you're curious about something like that, talk to somebody. What you will find and what you will experience in those sessions is you're just basically talking about what it's like to be a person. And then secondly, I would say take some of those interactions and share them with your friends and family members. If they're asking, you know, oh, you're seeing a counselor. What? Oh, oh tell me about that. And you can just share, yeah, I mean, I talk about this and what's going on and they listen and reflect things back and then they see things that I didn't see or they call things, um, they, they tell me like, oh, I didn't realize I was not in touch with my emotions. Um, and other people were like, oh, yeah, I've kind of noticed that about you. <laughs> Welcome to the party. <laughs> um, but when you can start having some of those conversations with people, like you said, Nathan, it's so interesting that when people are talking about some of this stuff, I'm like, yeah, totally. Me too. I've had that same issue. Or yeah, I've I've wrestled with that for a long time. And I, here's what I've been doing about it. I'm not all the way there yet, but I've made some progress on it. You realize that there are all these different spectrums of issues that people have, and we're all on a whole bunch of them to varying levels and degrees. And so when we talk about them, it's like, oh, you're on that spectrum too. Yeah. Where are you at? Cool. You're there. I'm back here. Hey, could you help me with it? Or what's been helpful to you? All of a sudden, these things that make up being a human being are very normal, are very typical. Um, they make a lot of sense, and we can connect over them together. As we close this down, um, I want to tell you that this is going to be a little bit of a chunk. You know, we've talked about diagnosis and that kind of thing and all the different studies and research and that, and that. but what mental health has turned to, I think largely because um, the culture, as people, we don't spend a lot of time one-on-one -on -one and in depth with ourself. And so what ends up happening is um, we might have something, we realize that we just need to talk to somebody, but we don't really want to talk to a friend about this. We kind of think our own experience is a little weird. Like maybe we're a little self-critical and think we're a little off and maybe I'll talk to a therapist. And you know what? That's totally fine. Um, we, the reason at this point, a lot of the reason or how we use diagnosis is actually to just is to receive insurance payment, to be honest. The mental health field has moved more to wanting to not worry about diagnosis. Just come in the room. We're going to help you out. Um, and we're just going to be another human that you're going to talk to that knows how to be a human that can be helpful to you. Um, so that's why actually a lot of people go to therapy for a long period of time. Like, because it's the one, it's the place where you can just go and you can vent and it can be all about you. So I just want to say that that's what it's for. That's what it's out there. You know what, guys? Have a great day. Thanks for listening to our show. Don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also visit our website at www.shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course 
and sign up for our free email course, Nine Ways to Overcome Fear and Self-Doubt. And you'll get nine weeks worth of customized, practical strategies you can use to get past the fear that's holding you back in your life. Thanks again for listening.